Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Hadas Kuznets with Jay Booksbaum. He's vice president of marketing and director of wine education for Royal Wine Corps. And we're talking about kosher wine for Passover. Passover 2018 begins on Friday the 30th. That is the evening of the first Seder. Second Seder is Saturday the 31st, and people will be celebrating through Saturday the 7th. So, Jay, explain to me, what is a kosher wine for Passover? Like, what makes a wine kosher for Passover? Nearly all kosher wines are also kosher for Passover. There are a few that aren't that are made with corn syrup or other flavorings. But other than that, and you have to be careful about some of the traditional wines that you'll buy off the shelf, but generally speaking, almost all wines that are kosher are kosher for Passover as well. And how do you know? It has an OKP or an O-U-P, and the letter P just simply means Passover. And then as far as how you make the wines, what particularly makes a wine kosher or kosher for Passover? What's interesting is is that wine is very different than food. Food is an ingredients-based kosher or not kosher issue, whereas wine is just an oversight issue. So that from the crushing of the grape until the bottle is sealed, it is overseen and handled by an observant crew, and that's what makes it kosher. Oh, really? Yeah. So it has nothing to do with the ingredients. No. I mean, even though there are over the years, the millennia, and especially in the last 40 years or so, they've added some ingredients that may or may not be kosher, such as isinglass and gelatin that's used in fining agents. But many non-kosher wines don't use it either. And so therefore, the basic ingredients is not the main issue. The main issue is the oversight and the handling from the crushing of the grape until the bottle is sealed. So when, you, when you're talking about oversight, it has to be overseen by uh, observant? An observant Jewish person or people or w- women, men, whatever, and a rabbinic oversight over them. And they're checking to make sure that the facilities are kosher for Passover? That or? too, but it's a long Talmudic discussion, which is about really more about keeping the wine pure both physically and spiritually. So, for example, pagans used to use wine in ritual rites. The rabbis are there to make sure that it's really kept completely neutral and that you make it special when you open it and drink it and and use it. So people that make this wine, like they can't work on Saturday. That's correct. They have to work during non-Shabbat hours. Correct. And what else? Uh, They keep kosher. Basically, that's it. Oh, the people have that that make it have to keep kosher. Yes, although many wines are made in non-kosher wineries, but the crew they bring in a crew of rabbinic students or otherwise, and they actually handle that production within the facility of a non-kosher winery. So that's still kosher, even if you're in a non-kosher facility. That's interesting. That would never happen with food. No. (laughs) Well, actually, that's not true either. Sometimes, I mean, Heinz, for example, makes uh, pork and beans in cans, but they also make vegetarian beans. And they may be in the same plant, except that between runs, they will completely make pure and pristine the plant and the production facility where they're making the vegetarian beans, and that'll be certified kosher, whereas, of course, the pork and beans won't. Right, right. That's a big process. That's to, a big process, yes. To clean every single crevice exactly, of the exactly, plant. Exactly, yeah. Do they need to do that for wine? Yes, yes. They even do even more so, yeah. All right. All right. So tell me about your wines. You there, have a bunch of kosher for Passover wines. Right. There are 
in total seven wines listed with the state, and they are Bartonor Moscato. And what's interesting about a lot of them is, is that Easter is Sunday. It's fantastic because some of these wines are appropriate for Easter dinners as well as Passover dinners. The Moscato, for example, is a crowd pleaser for everybody. It's one of the largest selling Moscato's in the state stores, period. And it's the largest selling Moscato here in America. It's called Bartonur Moscato. It's also for the drier person who likes drier wines, Bartonur Rosso Toscano, a Chardonnay from Baron Herzog, a Merlot from Baron Herzog, a Barkan, which is an Israeli Chardonnay, a classic Chardonnay from Israel, as well as a semi-dry Cabernet called Jeunesse, which has been a real favorite, especially if you're having a wide range of people so that people who like good wine can still appreciate the fact that it's a Cabernet, but it's also off-dry for those people who like something a little bit off-dry. Was it? Th- was there just one that was made in Israel? Yeah, there was just one that's listed that's made in Israel, but there are a few locations like in Jenkintown and Ardmore and Narberth and Newtown Square that in the specialty sections, you'll find more wines made from Israel and even from France. Some great chateaus from uh, the Rothschild family are actually now made kosher. So you can find some more variety and more upscale varieties in some of those locations as well. And then, just as a mention, for the first time in history in this, in this state, in this great state, and thanks to the PLCB and their wonderful support staff, there are several grocery stores that now carry uh, wines and kosher wines, such as the ShopRite on Roosevelt Avenue and the Giant in Widwood and several others. So if you're going into a store, what are you going to ask them if you're looking for a kosher for Passover wine? Where's your kosher wines? <laughs> <laughs> do most stores have a kosher for Passover section? Yes. All the PLCB stores do. And all the PLCB stores, almost virtually all, it's, I don't know, upwards of 350 to 450, have every one of these seven uh, listed wines on their on their shelves. So and, and they now are on display and they are now on discounted you know, they're on sale and they even have little, you know, instant rebate coupons. So you can have a really great time. And I urge people. Wait, they're to, on sale now. Passover is now. It's correct, happening now. Correct. But they're, they, it should be on sale after Passover, you would think. Yeah, you would think so. But no, they're, they're, you know, the PLCB has been great about putting on sale when people want it. And what's really great about it is because I told you there's no difference it's not like a type of wine like Concord was in the old days. Manischewitz. Right. And Manischewitz. No, these are dry, wonderful table wines. So anybody who wants to try it, even if you're not Jewish, not kosher, not interested in Passover or just buying it for Easter, stock up now and you'll enjoy them the rest of the whole year. So explain people why we talk about wine for Passover, people that might not know. So Passover is a celebration of freedom, freedom of the Hebrews escaping the bondage of the Egyptians. And we consider it not only the freedom of the body, but the freedom of the soul. And when you're celebrating freedom, you're celebrating it as a king or queen. And what every queen and king gets at every meal is wonderful, big, lots of great food, but also lots of great wine. And there is a a rule that you must drink four cups. Every man, woman, and child at the table should be drinking four cups of wine. Horrible, Jay, you would say. How could you give a child four cups of wine? The answer is you don't. You give them grape juice instead, which is the kind of spiritual equivalent of wine without the alcohol. I bet that's great for your company during this time of the year, though. It's unbelievable. It used to be that Passover wines represented 60% of all kosher wine sales. 
just during this period, this three-month period. We call it three months because that's when it gets on the floor, etc. But now, because the wines have become so good, people are drinking them the rest of the year. So even though the Passover sales have risen, the rest of the year sales have risen even more. And so now it's only 35 to 40% of the sales of kosher wines are during Passover. That's interesting. Yeah. Now, I understand that Israel actually has some amazing wineries. Oh, gosh. The Wine Spectator, the Wine Enthusiast, the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times. I mean, you name it. They're all talking about the exciting wines that are coming out of Israel. It's no longer known just for, you know, military equipment or high-tech knowledgeability. It's now known for its great wineries. There are now something like 400 wineries in Israel. I know that some of the wineries are in the Golan Heights because of the way that the the roots go down through the... Boy, you really know your wines. I'm so <laughs> glad to hear from a, a person who's into it. Yeah, the Golan Heights is considered is like right? the Napa Valley of, of Israel. And it's interesting, though, that they're now finding that the Judean Hills are also a wonderful place. Actually, it's already about 15 years old. A wonderful place to grow and, and make wine. And that's being more uh, akin to the Bordeaux's. So you're having the more complex, layered wines coming out of the Judean Hills, which is in and around Jerusalem, and you have the more forward, richer, opulent, fruit fruit bombish kind of wines coming out of the Golan Heights. Is there a specific like taste as a wine aficionado that you recognize like, oh, this is a taste of an Israeli wine? Very good question. Until recently, no. Until recently, they've been making wines out of the same things that the great wines from Napa. Cabernet, Chardonnay, Merlot, Pinot Noir, etc. But lately, there's there's a wonderful wine called Argaman grape that they're beginning to make wine out of too, and and they're also using more and more Rhone varieties because if you think about it, Israel is on the Mediterranean, and so is the Rhone, so is the south of France, and so those wines that are that are grown and made best in the south of France, which are Syrah and Carignan and Chenin Blanc. Those are the wines that are now more and more being made out of Israel, not just the Vitas Vinifera, the Chardonnays and Cabernets and Merlots of the world. So people should check it out, if not just for curiosity. Oh, the wines are just delicious. They're getting in the 90s, winning gold medals, being, like I said, reviewed by all these magazines, Robert Parker, et cetera, et cetera. In fact, the writer for Robert Parker lives right here in Center City. Oh, nice. Lovely. Yeah. Um, what is the best wine to go with, say, matzah or gefilte fish? <laughs> well, first of all... What pairs well with matzah? You know, lots of people are still using gefilte fish as their fish of choice for the Seder, but lots of people are now using Dover sole and salmon tartare and et cetera, et cetera. So I would I say... I want to go that, to your Seder. I would say that uh, the, a really great bottle of wine that's that's now available through the PLCB is Baron Herzog Chenin Blanc. It's a little bit fruitier, a little bit lighter, or Baron Herzog Chardonnay. Those are great wines for gefilte fish. Or if you want something from Israel to celebrate the land and to celebrate the concept of the freedom from Egypt going to Israel, then get the Barkan Chardonnay, also a listed item with the PLCB. Now, which one is made in the Judean hills? Because when you say next year in Jerusalem, it's very apropos to have a wine from Jerusalem. Right now, you will only find those wines in the specialty, and those might be something like Castel or Flam. Both of them come from the Judean Hills, but the listed wines right now, we're working on it, but right now, the PLCB uh, still does not have a listed wine from the Judean Hills. Okay. So once again, you can go into pretty much any store and, and just ask for the kosher wine section? Correct. And if you're looking for kosher for Passover, it has to have a pee on it. has to have a pee on it, but everything... Except for some of the Manischewitz, you have to be a little bit careful that they also will have the pee if you want the traditional sweet wines that 
those bottles that you're getting from from various other companies have to have the P on it. But all the wines that are on display are all OU or OKP, all kosher for Passover. What's your favorite wine to drink at the Seder? Oh, gosh. <laughs> you are know, you a traditionalist that like likes what you've always had, or do you like no, some of the No, I new... always experiment. You always, I think that everyone should experiment. You know, everyone should. I have, so, I have a lot of wine in my cellar, and I know what I think I'm going to have now. I'm, I think I'm going to have a Pinot Noir of some kind, especially for the first cup, because the first cup is on an empty stomach, so you want something a little bit lighter, a little bit easier to drink. But I think it's going to be a game time decision. You know, we're going to go down to my cellar right before the Seder starts or an hour before the Seder starts, before I go to services. And then we're going to look at see what's what's ready and what's good to drink. And that's what we're going to have. So there are different wines that are good to drink during different times of the meal. It's a very long evening. So you were saying the first one is on an empty stomach. So that's a different kind of wine that you would want to drink, say, with your meal. Correct. And the, the, it's a very good question. And actually, it's the second cup that precedes the meal. So what I'll do is I'll, the second cup will be a more robust, more richer, more thicker, more flavorful wine. And I'll use that for the second cup. And after making the blessing on that, I'll leave some over and then refill the glass and use it for the meal. And then for the third cup, which ends the meal, I'll start with that in the middle of the meal as a drinking wine, you know, just a wine to drink with the food. And then I'll end and start the third cup, fill the third cup with that wine. You have it all planned out. I got it. All, I don't know which one I'm going to have, but the ideas are all planned out. <laughs> what do you look for for the taste for your for the like? What do you taste for? Like, if you're thinking about, I'm going to get a couple of wines and I'm going to try them and I'm going to see what I like for next time. What tastes are you looking for? I like wines that are generally a little bit more complex, not right in your face. You know, opulent fruit bombs. And I like to think about the wine when I taste them. I like to think about how they will pair with foods. And that's really the key. The key is, and people ask me this all the time, whether it's kosher or non-consumers, they want to know, how do you pair wine with food? And the answer is, you try to get a wine that's in balance with the food. So if you're going to have a very light dish, you want a lighter wine. If you're going to have a very complex dish of different kinds of flavors, you want to have a complex wine that's more flavorful. And if, you want, if you're going to have like a flavor bomb dessert of a chocolate truffle, something or other, then you want to have a sweet, opulent, in-your-face kind of dessert wine. And that's, that's, how I, that's, why, that's why I think about wines when I taste them. Kosher wines sure have come a long way. Oh, my goodness. You know, it's, it's uh, when the Jewish people came to this country in mass, starting around the turn of the century, but then certainly in a second tremendous wave after World War II, the only wines, they came to the East Coast here in Philadelphia, New York, and New Jersey, and the only wines that were available were the local wines, which were Vitas Labrusca, not Lambrusco, but Labrusca, which meant that they were very thick skins, needed a lot of sugar in order for them to make them palatable. But as time has gone on and people have moved across the country to California and Chicago and Florida and all parts of the world, they got back to the more table-friendly, food-friendly wines. And in fact, the idea of a sweet Concord wine is a relatively new idea in Jewish history. It's only about 150 years old. Before that, one of the greatest commentators of all time, Rashi, who continues and is to this day the greatest commentary on the on the Old Testament, was a vineyard manager, owner, and winemaker himself in in France. So you know, we we think that we're getting back to what the really old tradition was, which was to make great wine for great food for great celebrations. 
So it's not all, I mean, a lot of people of my generation think of, they remember the Passover Seder with the Manischewitz, Concord grape wine. Gone, gone, baby, gone. <laughs> it's, it's a new day. It's now Chardonnay, Cabernet, and for those of you who like it a little sweeter, Moscato di Asti or Chenin Blanc or late harvest, uh, you know, orange muscat. Oh, maybe it'll be a better Passover than I thought. Oh, it sure will. <laughs> and you're welcome to come to my Seder anytime. We'll talk. <laughs> we'll talk. <laughs> Jay Booksbaum is Vice President of Marketing and Director of Wine Education for Royal Wine Corps. Jay, do you guys have a website where people can get we more do. information? www.royalwines.com. And these are, are these all kosher for Passover wines? All kosher for Passover all year long. Amazing. It is. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Hadass. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.